Coming up on another exciting installment of That Was a Show. Well, guys, what were your first impressions of Jennifer Slept Here? I feel like this is a return to the roots of That Was a Show. Uh, like our first three episodes, Aliens in the Family, Teen Angel, and Whoops. This is another one of those types of shows where, at least on the surface, it seems utterly preposterous. My first impressions were, I know the ghost is trying to teach this kid lessons, but couldn't she have at least tried to teach him not to be a complete creep? <laughs> <laughs> I think she's actually encouraging the creepiness. No, she is. She's, encourag she's, yeah. she's, she's encouraging it. actively, yeah. anyway. She's, she's a uh, double agent for the patriarchy, yeah, basically. We'll, we'll, we'll get into we'll that. Get into it. But, yeah. um, okay. <laughs> Cold open. We grew up during peak sitcom. Seinfeld, Friends, The Fresh Prince. But those shows were diamonds in the rough. This podcast is not about those diamonds. It's about the rough. Some sitcoms were briefly popular in their time. Some were canceled almost immediately. You probably won't recognize most of these, and you'll ask, that was a show? That was a show? The podcast about failed or forgotten sitcoms from the 80s and 90s, starring Bryn Burney, Aaron Yeager, and Andrew Helmer as Barry. A Radio Gizmo production. <laughs> Tell us about Jennifer Slept Here. All right. So Jennifer Slept Here was a supernatural NBC sitcom that aired a total of 13 episodes between October 1983 and September 1984. It was created by Larry Rosen and Larry Tucker, two, the success <laughs> yeah. the Larrys. two successful Larrys who joined forces to form Larry Larry Productions. Jennifer Slept Here is about the ghost of glamorous movie star Jennifer Farrell as she haunts the Elliott family who moves into her Hollywood mansion. The twist is that teenage Joey Elliott is the only family member that can actually see her. The show stars Ann Gillian as Jennifer, John P. Navin Jr. as Joey, Brandon Maggart and Georgia Angel as his parents, and Maya Stark as his little sister Marilyn. Glenn Scarpelli plays Mark, a neighbor boy who befriends Joey. Jennifer becomes sort of a mentor for young Joey and wears several fabulous outfits. The show revolves largely around slut-shaming a dead woman, poorly, <laughs> poorly executed sight gags, and horny 14-year-old boys and their escapades. Yep, That's a good that, summary. That sums it up. Yeah, pretty much. Why right? did you choose this show? I mean, you guys know me pretty well. It's clearly the type of thing that I would gravitate toward. You know, just the aesthetics of the promo ads and her bad haircut. Like, it's all very campy and very over the top and definitely something that I would naturally gravitate towards. Yeah, this comes mm -hmm. full circle to your first ever that was a show pick, yes. which was Teen Angel. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. Yep. I have a I have a thing for ghost comedy, apparently. But yeah, I just I, I stumbled upon it one day when I was doing research for another one of our episodes. I can't remember which one, but I was like, oh, my God, we have to do this eventually. And just it, it it's one of those weird shows that feels a lot older than it really is. <laughs> like it, it feels very 70s. And mm -hmm. 
Certainly, I don't know if her weird page boy haircut was a thing in the early 80s, but it is, yeah, it's it's rough. I was into it. Oh, God, it's like that style of it literally being like a weird like bowl that's mm-hmm. like combed under and curled yeah. under. It looks like something out of like the 60s, but it's supposed to be, it, well, she died in the late 70s. And it takes place in the early '80s. It's it's all very confusing. Yeah. When when did it air? What was the '83 to '84? Ah. Yeah. So yeah, it's basically very peak cocaine fueled sitcom (laughs) era. The era in which the three of us came from. So this is right out of Mr. Producer's. Yeah. Exactly. I'm sure Mr. Producer had a hand in this. Yeah. This is the cauldron from which we emerged this era. Yeah. The opening theme and title artwork is very odd. The theme song is super on the nose, but the artwork is like abstract postmodern art. Yeah, it is. It looks, it kind of reminds me of one of the covers for The Great Gatsby. You yes, know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. So I know exactly what you're talking about. That's yeah. a very famous cover. Yeah. Because, um, sorry, there's no reason to even talk about this, but it's like one of my favorite stories. Uh, Fitzgerald showed the uh, the cover work to uh, Ernest Hemingway, uh, and he said it was the ugliest thing he'd ever seen and that nobody would ever buy a book with that cover. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, this version is very beige in 70s. So, you know, it's it's, it's yeah, it's ugly. It it's, doesn't it's work. It's ugly AF. And like I was sold on doing this show as soon as I heard the opening line of the theme song, which is I just saw the most beautiful ghost in the world. <laughs> <laughs> my as my if favorite... there are many ghosts to be seen. And there was which one was that for is sure the pitch for the show. De- definitely <laughs> the most beautiful. <laughs> My favorite thing about the theme song is that it's just a regular theme song. And then at the end, they were like, put the title in it. And then the oh, last man. line is like, um, and Jenna first slept here. But they do. <laughs> okay, I have the entire <laughs> lyrics right in front of me here. So yeah. it goes, I just saw the most beautiful ghost in the world. She slept here. I just saw the most outrageous kind of girl. She lives here. Jennifer, what what are you doing to me when... A- <laughs> <laughs> this is like Charlie Kelly's This is like Charlie Kelly's Nightman lyrics <laughs> Okay Jennifer What are you doing to me When out of my life you appear Doesn't make any goddamn sense They say the stars don't shine as bright Since you left here Jennifer slept here That's not even the line in the show She lives here She loved here Laughed here And wept here She slept here Christ. But she never really left here. Jennifer slept here. Oh, wow. That is the theme song, folks. And I love that you mentioned that it's always sunny reference because this is definitely reminiscent of, let's just say, she's trying to get into this boy's soul. No, it reminds me of the Nightman, where oh, like as God. you listen to as you listen to Charlie start singing yeah. Nightman, you're like, "What happened to Charlie?" Yeah, wow. And can I just say like how creepy it is that you know they're saying Jennifer slept here specifically, not yeah. that she lived there. It there's something gross about that. There's something like ooh, like we're like watching her. It's like this famous sexy movie star she slept here like let's yeah. like it there's something really gross in in the subtext of that oh yeah i mean the yeah. show is yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it 
apparently this was a show. Yeah, it, it really was a show. And I wish I could find more info about it. Like there's definitely people in the blogosphere who's who've kind of delved into this territory because it is such a weird show and such a weird campy thing that's I think probably has a bit of a cult following to those who remember it. There's a line in an episode of 30 Rock that is referenced in, in one of these blogs and uh, where Kenneth mentions it offhand as like, yeah, I wrote this down, was a show that existed yeah, on NBC. I wrote down the Kenneth line. Oh, go ahead, want. Aaron. Go ahead. Um, it's a conversation and uh, in the midst of talking about various shows, I guess. He says, oh, I've got an idea for a show called Doctor about Richard Doctor, who's a piano player. Do you remember that show <laughs> Jennifer Slept Here? And Jillian plays the ghost of a Hollywood starlet who helps teenagers with what? I don't know. With, you know, she helps. She... <laughs> <laughs> she helps them with like creepy, pervy, you know, efforts. Like that's what it is. It's like she's a just weird. About, she's all about free love, man. Yeah, it's a weird male fantasy. It's like this, like very statuesque, uh, glamorous blonde woman who is like helping young boys, like get the confidence to ask girls out and bring them to a hot tub. Like, it's like really, it, it's really, really odd and like nonsense. Yeah, there's a note I have here that I was going to bring up later, but I should really just say this now. It feels like the concept of this show revolves around a 30-something Hollywood starlet sex symbol, Ghost, mentoring mm -hmm. an adolescent boy on how to hook up with chicks to the point where she seems to have some sort of strong vested interest in that. Very. Like, it's almost as if she became a ghost and then she was told that her soul will only be at peace if she makes sure that this teen boy gets an HJ. Oh my God. Oh my God. Guys, what if she's trying to be reborn? So she's just like trying to get oh, this guy maybe. to impregnate somebody. Like and that, like, yeah, I, I, I could dig that. I could get behind that where she just wants to leap into the care. soul of the baby. She yeah, she yeah. doesn't care who she doesn't care who she just yeah. needs. She needs a baby to be born. Yeah, It's really right. it's really unclear as to what her motivations are. Like, is she like we only watched two episodes of this, but yeah, that was uh, enough. you know, I mean, the one motivation is that. She doesn't want to leave her mansion because she worked really hard and had to really pay her dues in Hollywood in order yeah. to get to that level. So I get that motivation. Like, I get that she's like, I'm never leaving here. I, you know, this is my home. But other than that, there's no, you know, like, obviously, there's something that comes up in episode four, which we'll get to. Mm -hmm. um, but. Yeah, it's just it's really, really odd. Um, and it's very weird yeah. that she has no drive. Yeah, yeah. But it's like she's clearly just meant to be a sex symbol and meant to facilitate all the dumb sight gags that can exist. And, you know, I was also fascinated with this show because of its star. Um, and Jillian is, is an interesting character. Like she um, she was a child star and she was a star on like big stage productions of musicals. Yeah, she did a lot of musical theater. She was one of these multi-hyphenate, triple threat types of talents, you know, an amazing singer, dancer, actor. And she started becoming kind of a TV sex symbol in the late 70s, early 80s. And then this was like her first, you know, big big role. And it was supposed get, to be I a launching it. pad. But really, it's like... Poor thing. It's like, you know, I think they were trying to have this character sort of reflect her persona, but she really wasn't that person. Like, yes, she mm -hmm. was a sex symbol, 
but they're also like immediately slut shaming this character and talking about how, you know, like there's all these jokes right out of the gate. The dad <laughs> is brutal. Yeah. There's all these like jokes right out of the gate talking about how, you know, she didn't actually sleep in this house. You know, she did anything but sleep yeah. in this house. And the, mm -hmm. the dad yeah. character has no participation in the plots of these two episodes yeah. other than to throw out lines that are slut shaming her. Yeah, yes. that's the that's the only on screen presence the dad yeah. has. Period. Full stop. Yeah. I, I do like that Jennifer herself like is no in no way phased by any of it. Like, yeah, for sure. Jennifer doesn't care. She knows how she lived her life, and she yeah. she disagrees. She she politely disagrees, and she doesn't mm -hmm. she doesn't yeah. waste her time dealing with that. Yeah, I wish we didn't have to waste our time dealing <laughs> with that. Yeah, but. Alas, they needed to fill 22 minutes, I guess. And you can't go 22 minutes yeah. on network television without <laughs> insulting a woman. So, yeah. <laughs> so the pilot, the summary is that the Elliott family has moved from New York to uh, California and they've moved into this palatial mansion and it's unclear how they can afford said mansion. Um, I think the dad is supposed to be a lawyer of some sort. But anyway, so they've moved from New York to L.A. And, you know, the kids are kind of like grumbling about it. They're not happy about the move. Um, Joey in particular is not adjusting well. And he's kind of like lamenting this missing this crush from back in New York. He goes into his new bedroom and very abruptly meets <laughs> Jennifer. And, you know, yeah, there's they no... They waste no time. No. They waste no time and they make no sort of effort to make it obvious that she's a ghost. Yeah. And so somewhere in the course of those first couple of scenes, it's revealed that, you know, she died six years earlier and she died by chasing a an ice cream truck and getting run over by it. So... Real stupid. Uh, it's like some teen teen angel level stupidity. Yeah. And so she that's how she died. And she's like, I am not leaving this house. So you're just going to have to all live with the fact that I'm I'm here to stay. And and oh, yeah, only you can see me, Joey. That was my favorite <laughs> bit about the pilot was that it's like won't do you any good. Nobody can see me but you like they don't give us even a minute to figure out that central conceit yeah. of the premise that he's the only one that can see her. Like and the, why? And you why? Know, like yeah. like, no she's not haunting the house. She's haunting him. She's haunting him. Him specifically for reasons that seem completely, completely arbitrary. <laughs> and, you know, like, I don't know if anything happens later in the series where... There's like any stupid explanation given as to why Joey can like I doubt it, but like it's like no. why Joey specifically can see her. Like, is he some sort of medium or like there's no there's no mention of that, at least in the pilot. So Joey ends up confiding in Jennifer that he misses this girl from New York and he desperately wants to go back and see her and, you know, can like profess his love to this other 14 year old. <laughs> of all things. And, uh, you know, she's just like, uh, you need to move on with your life. You're you're a hot young guy living in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, a neighbor boy named Mark, who inexplicably sounds like he's from New York as well. He is. Uh, uh, hey, yo. Hey, oh, yeah. Hey. Very no, much. he is. He is. No, but he's he how he said he moved. He said he moved from Brooklyn two years oh, before. Okay, I missed that, and that explains think, a lot. I think that I think they're old friends from New York. Okay, 
she wants Joey to like go out and like live his life and perv around town with with uh, Mark and like pick up young chicks. Yeah, she doesn't mince words. She wants him to play the field yeah. and have relationships with as many girls as possible simultaneously. Yeah. She says that yes. very clearly. And my favorite part of this is they have this bit that they play it as if it's like this touching heart to heart that's not being played for comedy. It's being played for like a, a, a moment of, of drama between the two of them. And she says, what are you afraid of? And he <laughs> says, and there's no sarcasm. There's no joke to this, like as if it's a heart to heart. What are you afraid of? Starting all over again. He's 14. <laughs> he's 14. Yeah. He's 14. He's 14. I mean, he, dre he dresses like he's 43. Yeah. But <laughs> Especially when he's getting ready yeah. to like sneak off in the night to New York. With a tie? Like he puts on a tie and like a hat. Like he looks like a 1950s businessman <laughs> with his like little but suitcase and everything. Like it's so ridiculous. Yeah. My, my other favorite thing is it's not like they don't give her like the, the cliche hot girl name. Like she's not like. You know, like Becky Fletcher or something like that. Yeah. She's just Lindemann. Like, yeah, goes yeah, by yeah. her last name, Lindemann. And I'm yeah. like, what are you, what is all of this? Yeah. What? Is yes. And so I'm glad that you brought up how he dresses. Okay. So it's a 14 year old <laughs> character, but it feels like they're trying to make him look as mature as possible to compensate for how weird some of these plots and dialogue lines are. So yeah, it's 14 year old boy. They cast a 15 year old actor who kind of looks 16. They put him in these sweater vests and these mature outfits. Yeah. And it feels like that's all a bunch of machinations to make it marginally less creepy that, you know, you have this sexy ghost in her thirties who's exclusively haunting him. I, I have something I want to bring up about the sexy ghost. Please um, do. <laughs> this show is, which is a sentence I've probably uttered many times in my life. Uh, this this show is so horny and like all, <laughs> yeah. you know, all, all the, the whole point of the show is this kid wants to get laid. I was so taken aback by the fact that he is in no way like acknowledges that she's attractive. <laughs> Like, yeah, I, I like I'm not saying I wanted them to go there. I'm just saying it's a weird right fucking omission that right. like this kid who's always horny is like, I have a sexy ghost that hangs out in my room and occasionally yeah. like puts on swimwear. Yeah. And it's just and 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 she's an annoyance. It's it's nonsense. It is. It does play into this weird male fantasy of like, oh, he's just playing aloof. And like, yes. you know, she's. <laughs> She's not like the other girls, like literally she's dead. So she's not yeah. like the other girls. And, you know, she's just like one of the guys. But she like looks like this stunning, gorgeous, like movie yeah. star. I, mean, I feel like a year later, somebody probably saw this show and was like, oh, you know what? What if what if he fucked the ghosts? <laughs> and then John Hughes made weird science. <laughs> yeah. So I want to. OK, I have this. Yeah, it is. That is a trope just to jump in here real quick. because yeah. That got me oh, yeah. very excited. That whole like <laughs> like it is a lot like weird science, like that it's trope of like a yep. like a one dimensional, like stunning statuesque woman who's not quite human that helps young boys like get girls. Like it's like a very mm -hmm. weird 80s specific trope. Like she's a she's a Hollywood starlet. 
Yeah. Wouldn't you think that the, and you know, I'm not saying to write these things in the most cliche imaginable, but isn't a funnier situation of, is her being a Hollywood starlet and her getting him to keep waiting on her hand and foot like, like she was when she was alive? Isn't that? Yeah. Why make her a Hollywood starlet if she's literally just there to dispense relationship advice? Yeah, right. I don't even so, know. It seems like they're almost, not quite, but almost. And don't jump on me and tell me I'm wrong because I'm, I'm not saying they you. I'm not saying they are doing this, You're but wrong. they're almost establishing a will they or won't they between a 14-year-old boy and a sexy ghost in her 30s. And it's true that he's playing it aloof, but there are brief fluttering moments where she seems to be coming on to him. In a way that is, for example, we watched this together, Bryn and I, yeah. and Bryn, you pointed out, they're sitting on the couch together, side by side, and like a little too, sitting a little too close to each other. Yeah. And then she finds out that he has this girlfriend, and she shifts over on the couch and has this facial expression as like if she's, she's jealous. jealous. Yeah. So it, uh, yeah. They're not, it's not quite. But almost. Ugh. It's so it's so gross. It's I, all I, it's also I, I, gross. I, I detected like I let's put it this way. I don't think they were gonna start going there, but they were like, as soon as we got three or four years of this show in the can, like they're gonna they're gonna do it. Yeah, once he was legal age. You once know? he was legal, yeah. <laughs> kind of looked through some of the episode descriptions of the rest of the series and they're all really dumb um, <laughs> obviously uh, but they do it seems like they try to talk more about Hollywood and how young attractive actors like struggle and kind of get pigeonholed into like se like a sex symbol kind of thing and uh, obviously I didn't watch these episodes so they're probably not well written and probably pretty <laughs> trash but, there's, there's no hidden gems out there. Yeah. Well, the the episode that is listed as episode two actually looks kind of interesting. And I might try to find it on my own where it's like the whole pretense is that they're making a biopic about Jennifer mm -hmm. and like filming it in the house. And, you know, there's something to do with uh, I believe that there's like a script being like kind of pitched by Joey himself, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I caught like little clips <laughs> of it on on online. Is that, is that his name? I watched I watched it. I watched almost an hour of this and I didn't even know the kid's name. I know. I know. <laughs> At one it's, point we were talking about it and I had to ask. I was like, what is his name? Yeah. And we had to like, look it Joey. up. Well I couldn't remember the friend's name either. Like Mark. I was like, what I can't even tell you well, know I reverse I reversed them. I thought Mark was the main yeah. character mm -hmm. and Joey because the other kid is clearly a Joey. Clearly. Right. But yeah, so in this episode, the whole idea is that one of her rival actresses plays her. So it's kind of like a dumb sort of, oh. you know, pitting women against women and, you know, and then there's a there's another episode here where there is an old nude photo that she took really early in her career, kind of like in the same vein as like Marilyn Monroe very early in her career did some uh, nude modeling and you know the photos were leaked like after she was already established as a um as a, an actress and it was like traumatic because she did it just you know to make some money and there's nothing wrong with getting you know nude photos taken but at the time you know society was so puritanical that they they looked at that as something to like demonize and certainly if you don't want your nude photos going public you have every right to 
like get that resolved. And yeah. so basically this episode is that is just that where Jennifer is urging Joey to get these photos and sends him on a mission to so get these she, photos. She, of course she tasks him. Yeah. Well, because he's fu- alive. So what you're saying is this kid, this kid's going to see nudes of her. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Oh, God. Gross. He uh, can't carry out that task without uh, yeah, without, eventually without getting check, the photos. Without checking them out. Yeah. Um, the oh, pilot God. ends with this moment where... You know, he's the idea is he has to get over this girlfriend from back in New York and she facilitates him meeting this new girl from L.A. at the end of the pilot. And and of course, it's a moment where this girl's like instantly throwing herself at at Joey. And which is complete nonsense, complete nonsense. Like they they don't know each other. She, okay, come on. She smiles at she's, him. No, no, but no. It's more. There's this this whole. It's like, a come hither smile. Yes, there's this whole implication, and then I couldn't help but think that this is the sitcom equivalent of like, here's the hot mom and schlubby dad of the future meet cute. Like this is how yeah. the sitcom couple first met. <laughs> Because yeah. this, this Joe Joey's definitely gonna turn into a schlubby Joe, dad someday. Yeah. And his dad is, is a schlubby is dad. Is a schlubby yeah. dad. Is so yeah. It's it's yeah. gonna be a like father, like son and sort of thing. Yeah, the mom character as well, who I, I find personally charming. I think she's very I always, cute. I always enjoy the actress. Yeah, she's but fun. she is kind of playing up a trope as well, which is that mm-hmm. kind of like soft-spoken, high-pitched voice, like innocent mom, like that very like, mm-hmm. not quite ditzy, but definitely more like kind of submissive and sweet and innocent mom. Yeah. I mean, part of me, like at least with the voice she was doing, part of me goes to uh, what Tanya Roberts ended up doing on that 70s show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. You, Tanya but Roberts, not- you mean? Uh, no, I mean Tanya Roberts. I oh, mean Donna, Donna's, Donna's mom. mom. Donna's mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. I was going to say, not Mary Jo Rupp. Mm-hmm. No, Mary Jo De- Rupp. Deborah Jo Rupp. Deborah Jo Rupp is doing Deborah Jo Rupp. Yeah, but she she is kind of like the same type of thing, where it, but she has that more nervous energy. Oh, God, I love her. Yeah, she's the best. Aaron and I had this like discussion about how Joey has the look of like every teenage boy in a... <laughs> Yeah, he's like he's he, a he's a fiftieth percentile teen boy. Yeah, yeah. So the fact that these girls are like falling yeah, all over him, he's a real Alex P. Keaton type. Yeah, you know. But yeah. he's like, it's like that same kind of body type, like average height, kind of stocky, but it has like longish, light brown hair. Like it's like the it's Jason like the Bateman template. And that, yes, and that's, and that's and that's your move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. So he's like Jason Bateman, and it's your move. He's like. He's almost like Mike on um, Hi Honey, I'm Home, like a very yeah. similar, a very similar look. <laughs> but yet all the teenage girls love him. He's unassuming. He's unassuming. Yeah. yeah. Well, I feel like, I feel like, you know, he's, girls would like him, but not in a, not to this degree. Yeah. Not to the yeah, degree the, presented here. The the whole family there that they present is like straight out of the sitcom kit. 
like one of those boxed gingerbread house kits <laughs> yeah. where there's like the hot mom and schlubby dad and she is, you know, like 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 you're saying kind of like Oh, and yeah, don't forget about the, the weird the weird little sister. Yeah, little, the, the precocious, precocious little sister. Precocious little sister who who says like worldly things. Yeah, yeah. says worldly things and just pops in wearing a weird outfit. You know, maybe we should jump to episode 4 because She dresses <laughs> up like she dresses yeah, the episode 4 where she dresses up like Patton yeah. and does a speech from Patton. Okay, so yeah, I definitely want to talk about that. Should should you describe the plot of episode four, or do we even care? I'll just I'll just cut to the chase real quick. So it's Halloween, and basically the the parents and the little sister are all going to like a neighbor's like Halloween party. So basically, Joey has the the house to himself, and uh, yeah, so it, there's like a whole thing about how Jennifer wants him to like have girls over. And it's this weird pervy thing where, you know, there's like twin girls that show up, which is a trope we've already identified. It's like two blonde twins, which is an 80s trope where they don't really have a mind of their own. And they both just like really are there to like be props for the pervy teenage boys. Um, The biggest thing about episode four is uh, the appearance of Jennifer's mother. So the ghost of Jennifer's mother shows up out of nowhere, coming out of her wardrobe. And she's played by none other than screen icon Debbie Reynolds. (laughs) So, yeah. So somehow they paid like I, I don't know like iconic it's an NBC, it's an NBC sitcom man. I guess, they had money I guess they had the money to give her but wow like uh, you know they were really uh, shooting for the stars getting Debbie Reynolds on that show um, NBC so- lo- NBC loves their first their first season uh, big guest stars yes yes there's this whole idea that there's unfinished business between mother and daughter. I guess her mother didn't approve of her efforts to become a famous movie star. And, you know, so they had some tension. And I thought it was that the mother felt like she hadn't been thanked for helping her become a movie star. She did. That is true. That was what was the mom's beef with her. But the reason Jennifer resented her is because, oh, yeah, you want me to thank you, but you didn't support me. Okay. Which the whole time she did, which she didn't, and fuck you, she yeah, shouldn't have thanked yeah. her. But like, also, Jennifer I... apologizes at the end. Spoiler yeah. alert! And yeah. I was just like, no, no, your <laughs> mother was terrible to you. Yeah, terrible and manipulative. Yeah, everything we learn about Jennifer's backstory, like you just keep being like, oh, yeah. But also, that whole scene was strange. It felt like it was out of a totally different show. Yes, well, I agree. Can we just talk about, well, sorry, you're, you keep going, keep going, keep going. Mm, I mean, that's all I had to say about that. It just- No, it, I it, meant Brynn Bri- is describing the show. Yeah, just- That's it. That's all that happens. Like, ultimately, mother and, mother and daughter, like, make up and- Oh, but there is know. another, I don't know if we're calling that the A story and this other thing is the B story. It doesn't matter. That's the A story. But, Mark's, or Joey's the B story. So let's say Joey's the B story. His plot in this episode is- I guess, to get some sort of date for this party. There's this scene, like the inciting incident of his plot is that he's grumpy because he doesn't have a date for this like Friday night or whatever. And there's this exchange with a line like, don't be so like upset or in a bad mood just because you don't have a date tonight. And the whole tone of it was like, I'm sorry, but am I the only one who thinks it's weird 
that it would be assumed and taken for granted that a 14-year-old boy would have a thriving nonstop dating life <laughs> and complain about a dry spell by not having like, a hot no. date one Friday night like he's some sort of swinging bachelor in his <laughs> 30s. Like, but, I don't but you know get what? it. I harp this, on this in I a lot of shows. Brings... I don't get it. <laughs> I think this brings up... No, I think this brings up that like maybe... You're not trying to make a point, but it's something that actually actively bothered me as well, because you see this all the time on TV. And I distinctly remember being a 14 year old kid and thinking that thinking I should be, you know, going out on dates all the time and feeling that like I was a loser because look at all the kids on TV. They're all dating, even though everybody I knew wasn't dating. Yeah. But like when you're I remember feeling bad watching this when shit you're on a 14 TV. year old boy, you hang out with your friends, you play Nintendo and drink pop or soda. You have acne. You I don't know. You've, you're like maybe you go out to the movies on a weekend with some friends and I'm not saying that there aren't 14 year olds who go out on a date or ever no, have like a. Well, there clearly is. They're just cooler than we were. No, but <laughs> yeah, they're cooler than we were. Yeah, but I think also, that's what, I think that's what we're getting. No, to. no, no. But also, <laughs> look, even even 14 year olds who who are dating, they're not like yeah. going out with a different girl every week yeah, and having that's true. like they have Usually, like yeah. it, that's not how it plays yeah. out when you're in like grade eight or grade nine. You maybe have that like one person you have a crush on and then you end up dating them joey's making his way through the school man like yeah. joey yeah. is joey is and with the further encouragement of jennifer it <laughs> seems like the goal is to just run a train on this school yeah like he has to date doesn't like it, it seems like he'll be a utter failure if he's not dating dozens of different I mean, girls the obvious question i have here is like she's watching right like she's 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 <laughs> She's watching all now, of this. Now, okay, the the episodes we watched, they're only in the house. Does she follow him around in the world? She could. Or, yeah, she can go places. Remember, yeah. she went to the party, took the shoe, oh, which was God. creepy. Oh, so stupid. Yeah. There's there's this gag where Jennifer goes to this party, takes a girl's shoe, has it, puts it in a bag, and gives it to Mark, and says like, "Bring this to Joey right away." And then, you know, it's a this girl has to come looking for her shoe. It's like this whole yeah. weird ploy and it's all creepy. And I remember just distinctly being like, don't put the shoe on her. Don't put. The oh, he put the shoe on her. Yep. <laughs> I, I, I guessed that that was coming. And I was like, no, 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 no. It's like, don't. I don't want this. Yeah. It's, I, uh, it's weird and gross. And I do want to briefly loop back to the thing about the precocious younger sister and the Patton yeah, thing. Yeah, go like, ahead. Patton or what it might have also been Apocalypse Now. I think there was like a line that was a play on like the smell of napalm in the morning. But regardless, the younger sister, what is she like five or something? Yeah, yeah it's, she's she's younger sibling age. Kid. Yeah, it's but it plays into that dumb trope of like, oh, there's a teenager and his his sister is like a lot younger. And his substantially younger yeah. sibling and smarter, who's and way smarter. Way smarter, yeah. and way smarter. precocious, yeah. worldly. Okay, the yeah. whole cookie cutter thing that you're expecting. Yeah. And then she comes in in her Halloween costume, which is like a very well put together, like military general type of costume. And she stands there at attention and does this speech. And the actor who plays Joey visibly breaks, like Fallon on SNL breaks. And 
they leave it in. And I'm like, you could just get another take in the can of him doing a clean reaction shot. I don't know, man. It was the only it was the only charming thing I found about the guy. It, I was like, oh, he's amused by his sister. It didn't seem that Joey was amused by his sister. It seemed that the actor was amused by seeing this young actress do this thing. Like it looked like the actor was breaking and they just kept it in, but they like went to the wide shot. I don't know. I feel like it was it was funny. It was weird. I wrote down a quote that jumped out at me and I can't remember who said it. So maybe you guys can help me. It's it's literally uh, ghost lady. lady. You've, got your, <laughs> you've got yourself a medium. I, I have the same quote written down here. Is it Joey that says that? I think it was Joey because she they make this deal where she, where she needs him to be the medium so that they can do a seance and right. channel her mother. Yeah. And in exchange, he wants her, what? I don't remember what he wanted in exchange. I assume something to do with- It's all and all dumb. Obviously something to do with hooking up with chicks, but I don't remember the details. And how did her mom- Oh, it was, a, it was something relating to like getting the twins in a hot tub Ugh. or something. Gross. It was gross. Uh, Whatever it was, it was gross. It was real gross. And um, did he switch twins- I think, he switched twins, I think right? They, yeah, and there was some joke about how there's no difference or whatever. Oh, it's it's because, lady, because, you've got yourself a medium. Yeah. The girl that he was interested in said she kept her bikini in her compact, and then the one <sighs> came back was the one who kept her bikini in the purse. And I remember being like, That's a different that's a different twin, man. That's gross. Yeah. Stick to the same twin. Um Ugh. what happened? To the mother. Did she end up going back, like crossing over? Like what happened there? No idea. No, no, Was no, Was it no. unresolved? They're, no, they just made up and she left. She's, okay. she's, she's, she, okay. There, this, this opened up so many, so many weird questions where I'm like, okay, so ghosts can travel back and forth. They can yeah. go to different places. They can, they, they can haunt different places. So all of yeah. these things is like, okay, so Jennifer is choosing to be here. Jennifer is choosing to hang out with this kid because her mom, when she leaves the episode, is like, all right, well, I'm going to go haunt this guy for a bit. And then, you know, I'll probably <laughs> leave your father aware around for a little while. And I was yeah. just like, this is so weird that they're establishing that there's this whole ghost network. Ghosts can interact with each other. Yeah. Ghosts can contact each other. Uh, and all of this just makes it weirder that Jennifer decides to hang out with a 14 year old boy. Yeah. Yeah, they, you know, they take a lot of liberties there and they, they try to make up these weird rules about what the after afterlife really is all about. And like Jennifer has a new outfit on in every single scene. It's not like what we saw in Teen Angel where he wears the same outfit all the time, which to me made more sense of something that's so nonsensical. Uh, like I enjoyed the fashions. Don't get me wrong. Like, oh, I, I love it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't loved, change that. I loved every evening gown and every jumpsuit that I saw. And like, you know, I was like, ooh, that's how you wear shoulder pads. Like I was very happy to see that. But I was also like, how is this like, you know, how well, is this working? Jennifer's confidence and her clothing are the most redeeming <laughs> elements Aww. of the show. Yeah. Which is... And, you yeah. know, like, Anne Jillian herself is obviously yeah, yeah. quite I, talented. I, 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 like, I liked her. And yeah. I felt if, if I took away anything positive, which I pretty much didn't, I remember <laughs> at least getting the feeling in the, in the end of episode four when Joey, you know, decides to stop 
doing everything to get laid and he and he decides to help Jennifer, I remember distinctly going, oh, they're becoming friends. That's kind of nice, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, I know you've been dying to get into the whole like Glenn Scarpelli like saga. Yeah, that that is probably something we should talk about. Um, <laughs> so I, the f- I, I can I I want to just because we're doing random notes. Did anybody else write down uh, the quote about that'll jumpstart your pajamas? Oh no! No. <laughs> i mean kind of a great line (laughs) this is a horny show this is a a really really horny show kind of a great line (sighs) kind of wish it was on something else yeah wish wish it wasn't directed towards a 14 year old but uh kind of a great line (laughs) the friend mark we should talk a bit about um and a little discovery i made from a blog so you know we talked about how he starts hanging out with this kid mark who as you pointed out barry thank you for reminding us that he had also moved there from new jersey which explains his accent (laughs) um but I was researching the show and came across uh, a little discovery on a blog called Platypus Comics. I don't know anything about this blog or company, but a shout out to them for an extensive article about this show. Deep dive, which contained the following insight. Mark is played by actor Glenn Scarpelli. Glenn Scarpelli's dad was Henry Scarpelli, an artist for Archie Comics. Okay. Henry inserted his son, Glenn, with full first and last name, mind you, into Archie Comics. Several, okay, seemingly to promote his son and his son's budding acting career. (laughs) So Betty and Veronica swoon over this mysterious guy who is literally (laughs) named Glenn Glenn Scarpelli, full first and last name, Throughout several Archie comics in the 80s and 90s. And so this kid, this kid looks like an Archie character. <laughs> yeah. And if and and uh, I'll, I'll send you the link to this after they they have on this blog a few of these comics <laughs> that show this kid at approximately the age he appears to be in this show looks kind of like him. And it is like just. Betty and Veronica swooning over him and with dialogue that is very yeah. much like Glenn Scarpelli, you are the like best boy in the world. And we are <laughs> like so like when 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 he's not on screen, people are asking, where's Poochie? Yes, exactly. Oh my it God. is like that. And there's there's a there's also a, a comic frame there that seems to imply that he's like getting a call from a Holly, big Hollywood agent or something like that. Like it oh really seems gosh. like it's trying to set him up as this like big deal who you need to be like finding out about. I love it. Yeah, I love it too. I it's love like it. it's the OG version of like, oh, okay, I'm gonna like make my kid an Instagram sensation, and then they'll parlay <laughs> that into an acting career. It's like this I mean, what, weird. What was the music video Friday? Oh yeah, Rebecca Black, uh, the Friday thing where her parents like helped her make a music video, yeah. so she could become a star. Like they spent like a ridiculous amount of money on it, <laughs> and yeah, it but became... they, they got a return on that investment. <laughs> they did. Oh boy, like, I that love girl it. Made, that girl made mad bank for a while. I love overzealous parents that like make these like weird efforts to like. Push... I'd also like to point out that Archie Archie comics like that. That 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 series is a real quantity over quality. Like yeah. <laughs> that could have that could have literally just been like 
you got nine issues to get out this, you know, this quarter. Yeah. Throw anything you can at the page. And he's like, I don't know. My kid's getting auditions. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm tired. Yeah. That reminds me of, so uh, yeah, one of those newspaper comics that my friend John and I used to make fun of all the time. John, if you're listening, you'll remember this. We would always make fun of the comic Marmaduke and say to each <laughs> other, like, we get it. He's a big dog. <laughs> Like that's okay. Every day you're doing another strip that's just reminding us he's a really big dog. We get it. I don't know why, but for some reason that was also a button with me and my childhood like best friend Jeff. Uh, <laughs> to the point to the point where we would cut out Marmaduke comics <laughs> and like write sarcastic versions of the jokes <laughs> o- over them like oh and gosh. and give them to each other. That's great. This is I feel like we're learning a lot about society and ourselves through discussing this show. Yeah, it's weird. It's unexpected. <laughs> it's uh, it's a, a good f- jumping off point for com- conversation. Speaking of parents, you're talking about overzealous parents. The parents in this show are the most non-present that I've yeah. ever seen in a sitcom. They are, I mean, at least based on the two episodes that we saw, they are the yeah. parents and the younger sister, like each of those characters gets like one, maybe two lines per episode. The, yeah. They're the, like from an acting perspective, they wouldn't even necessarily classify as principals. They're barely present in this show. Yeah. yeah, I would agree with that. Like I, at least in the version of the show we've seen, I cannot imagine giving them even a B plot, like, like a significant B plot. They, I can't imagine those characters carrying a scene, you know? I'd like to give a shout out to the sweet 8-bit Nintendo era graphics in the effects of episode four. <laughs> oh, yeah. Didn't I really, it remind yeah. you of Ghost Rider? <laughs> it did remind me of Ghost Rider. It really did. Another little production design thing that I'll call out. This is a trope. This is really not so much to do with this show, but it is in this show. Is the round table, especially mm-hmm. in kitchens. Sitcoms have a round table where everyone is crammed around one side of the table because when it's a multi-cam sitcom, <laughs> all their faces need to be open to a camera. Yep. Why, why? Same same thing as the last the last supper painting. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so gotta stop. fit the studio audience yeah. in there. Don't do that. Don't don't use a round like it makes it so obvious when you use a round table and you have four yeah. people crammed around one side of it. Ugh. I thought when you said uh, a set design thing, that's a trope. I thought you were going to bring up the fact that the interior of the house does not match the exterior. And so not even <laughs> a little bit in terms of scale. It's like a very small, like, well, not small, but it's like definitely a more modest house yeah. than what is like shown on the outside. You're right. I neglected to write that <laughs> one down. The outside of this house is palatial. The yeah. outside of this house is like where the prime minister of a country would live. And like, it's, yeah. it's borderline regal. Yeah. And it's like, it's like a sitcom house inside. Yeah. With the, o- the only flourish being that there is like a balcony in like the main hall. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the kind of like staircase to a balcony that reminded me precisely of the one that was in Arrested Development. <laughs> yeah. 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 A little bit. Yeah. For sure. Uh, random, random trope, uh, that I'm just so tired of seeing. And if there's any sitcom writers out there, uh, you, y- you need to realize this, um, the story of a kid having to move from New York to LA 
is only, only relatable to people who have gotten jobs recently working for a sitcom. <laughs> like, there is, there is, like, all these stories were like, oh, I'm relocating to California and my kids don't know what to do. Yeah, we get it. You just got a job working in Hollywood. <laughs> like, this is not universal. You know, I never thought about that. But yeah, it That's is so probably funny. because, like, 51% of the people working on these shows moved from New York to LA. Yes. This or is, maybe this is from Chicago to LA uh -huh. or from Boston to LA. This is exactly right. Sometimes yes. from Toronto to LA. Uh -huh. One thing I learned from old sitcoms is that women need to be very careful not to break a nail because the fear of nail uh -huh. breakage influences a lot of day-to-day -day decisions. Yeah. Yeah, it's I, true. I've, I have definitely noticed that. I don't know. I don't know, but I didn't have that intense fear growing up, but I would see it over and over again on TV. It's like, oh no, but what if I break a nail? Yeah. It's like the, I, I can't remember what comedian's joke it is, but it's like, I just figured that quicksand was going to be a bigger part of adult life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I recognize that. I don't know where it's from, yeah. but it's also like, I'm going to quote you something that you said in our last episode where you said that sitcoms raised you to assume that one day you were going to get a pie in the face. Yeah. I still assume it's coming. <laughs> Hello, wonderful listeners and fans of this podcast. We want to hear from you. Go to anchor.fm slash that was a show and leave us a voice message and we might play it in a future episode. Do it soon and you might make it into our season finale or email us at that was a show at aol.com, our 90s era email address, and we might read your message. Ask us a question or tell us what you think of any of the shows we've reviewed in season one. Our lines are open, so call right now. All right, back from commercials. Bryn, why don't you tell us about Six Degrees of Friends for Jennifer Slept Here? <laughs> yeah, so I found quite a few connections, and yeah, they're well within six degrees. The closest is a one-degree connection, and it's through director Alan Meyerson. Uh, Alan Meyerson directed both Jennifer Slept Here and Friends. Uh, the other connections are related to the cast themselves. So I have two two-degree connections. One is through Angelian, the star. Um, so Angelian, who played Jennifer Farrell on Jennifer Slept Here, uh, also went on to um, co-star in the sitcom It's a Living, and one of her co-stars was Wendy Shaw. Wendy Shaw guest starred on Friends. Sweet. You'll also remember Wendy Shaw from um, Aftermath. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Will I, though? I don't know if you will. <laughs> uh, the other two-degree connection is through Larry Spencer, the co-creator. He wrote for Jennifer Slept Here, of course. He also wrote for Muddlin' Through. Oh. <laughs> which, Pity then. Which starred Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston starred as Rachel Green on Friends. Perfect. Oh, Rachel Green. Yeah. And then, so there's another one that you guys are not going to be happy about. Uh, just a warning, just a trigger warning for both of you. <laughs> so, oh, it's a, it's a buffet warning, everyone. <laughs> 
So it's a three degree connection. So Anne Gillian, who starred as the titular Jennifer Farrell, went on to have her own show called Anne Gillian. Go figure. And one of her co-stars was Cynthia Harris. Cynthia Harris had a recurring role on Mad About You. You know who else had a reoccurring role in Mad About You? Lisa Kudrow. She, of course, played Ursula Buffet, who is the twin sister of Phoebe Buffet, also played by Lisa Kudrow on Friends. (laughs) Nicely done. Yeah. So I guess this segues nicely into the spinoff. So most of this I'm going to tell you right now is about Angelian. After Jennifer slept here, Angelian still had a lot of fans and was still pretty much a, a very big star. She was a, a big name in both television and movies in the 1980s. She was a big sex symbol, all of that stuff. Uh, she was cast in another sitcom a f- couple years after Jennifer slept here was canceled called It's a Living. So It's a Living was about a bunch of women working as servers in a hotel restaurant in L.A. Um, It was very much an ensemble show. This show ran for six full seasons uh, and was obviously much more successful. It did like a bit of a retool and went to another network. But anyway, it was a long running show. During the course of uh, It's a Living, Angelian, unfortunately, was diagnosed with breast cancer. So it was around 1985 and she was 35, kind of at the height of her career, and she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And she sort of became the first outspoken celebrity advocate for breast cancer. And she became a public speaker and uh, someone who really raised awareness for cancer research, which was really um, special. And, you know, she was very open about it at the time, which wasn't, I guess, that common. Um, And actually, in 1988, she starred in a made-for-TV movie about her own experiences called The Angelian Story. So a lot of people were invested in her as a star and also, you know, her her story and her fight with cancer. Hmm. Um, She was in a few more movies and uh, after that and got her own sitcom vehicle called Angelian, which I already mentioned, it only lasted 13 episodes. It seems after that show was canceled, she kind of stepped away from acting and did it more sporadically throughout the 90s, popping up as a guest star on several TV shows and doing the occasional movie of the week. Um, it's possible that, you know, she just chose to focus more on her family because she had a son in 92 and, you know, continued her activism as well. So maybe she just shifted her focus. We don't know. It could also be Hollywood sexism of not wanting to <laughs> cast a woman over 35. Um, that was, that was, I was like, my brain went to, I don't know, 90s. She hit, she was about to hit 40. That yeah, was the end. I'm going to choose to believe that it's because she decided to focus on her family and her activism. John P. Navin Jr. stepped away from acting and only did a couple of other roles after Jennifer slept here. Brandon Maggart and Georgia Engel, who played the Elliot parents, continued to do tons of TV. They were both like very prolific in their careers. Georgia Engel had some pretty memorable guest starring roles and reoccurring roles in TV later in life. Um, One that sticks out for me is playing the elderly woman, uh, Irene, who Aaron Hannon briefly lives with on uh, one of the later seasons of The Office. (laughs) 
So, (laughs) so when they have their Tallahassee episodes, Aaron basically is like, I'm running away to Florida. So she starts working for this lady, Irene and living with her and lives with her for about three episodes. And, uh, yeah, it's a very good role because she plays the kind of sweet, she seems kind of a sweet and innocent elderly lady, but she also kind of makes a lot of comments to Aaron about, well, like, what are you thinking? Like, go back to Scranton, like, get your life together. So she's, like, very blunt. Yeah, nice little assertive blunt moments. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a fun role. Georgia Engel also had a reoccurring role in Hot in Cleveland. Finally, despite his dad's best efforts, Glenn Scarpelli did not really become an A-list star. <laughs> <laughs> But he did, you know, some guest spots here and there throughout the 80s and 90s and then had a long break and then sort of reappeared again in the 2010s to today. So you can see on his like IMDb, there's like this big gap and then he's suddenly back again in random guest starring roles. Uh, Call us, Glenn. Yeah, exactly. The creators of Jennifer Slept Here, the two Larrys, if you will, uh, pretty much wound down their careers after Jennifer Slept Here. They had one other team effort with the show Stir Crazy, which was a sitcom based on the Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor movie. Um, But it only lasted nine episodes. I mean, when you hit a home run like uh, Jennifer Slept Here, I mean, you got to go out on top. (laughs) (laughs) I believe we're also thinking of introducing an occasional new segment that we're going to call The Callback. Yeah, so the callback is basically me just observing that a lot of the people involved in Jennifer Slept Here also worked on other shows that we've covered here on That Was a Show. So <laughs> so callbacks to previous episodes of our podcast. Yeah, yeah. So we have Larry Spencer, who is the third Larry on the writing what? team of There's Jennifer Slept Here. third Larry? Yeah, the, the third Larry of all the Larrys. I guess it was like a thing. Uh, and it's you know, like the Three Stooges, but they're all Larrys. Yeah, but he also wrote for Muddling Through. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Georgia Engel also guest starred on Hi, Honey, I'm Home. Nice, nice. All right, any leftover notes? I just wrote down we're four episodes in. Why does Joey still not understand that he shouldn't have conversations with Jennifer in front of people? I also wrote down ah. Barn doors in the kitchen. Must be a sitcom. <laughs> and then, uh, why can all the girls that Mark brings over not hear a single creepy thing that he says? <laughs> <laughs> so, Barry, I'm a mm-hmm. network executive in the early 80s, and you're a producer. Pitch me Jennifer Slept Here. Hey, Aaron, I think I've got an idea for a show. Okay, let's hear it. So, it's about this guy, you see? Real typical, everyday guy. You know, maybe some woman problems, but otherwise, normal guy. He moves into this lush new Hollywood home, you see? Okay. But here's the thing. The house, it's beautiful, but it's haunted, you see. Oh, that's interesting. Haunted by the ghost of a beautiful Hollywood starlet. That's quite a hook. And you see this ghost. Well, she's really nosy, you see. She keeps getting up in this guy's business, trying to tell him how to live his life. You know, I guess she's teaching him some lessons, but sometimes they're a little hard to grasp the meaning of, you know? Like maybe this guy's happy with his life. Maybe things, you know, sure, they could be a little better, but what does this ghost of some washed up actress have to teach this guy? 
guy that he hasn't already learned. Mr. Producer, are you okay? You know, sometimes this guy, he just gets home. Maybe it's been a long day. Maybe he's worked really hard all day producing mediocre television shows, and he just wants to grab a drink without some goddamn specter popping out from behind the bar to tell him how to score chicks. Wait, what? Maybe this producer, right? Or this guy, this guy, he begs the spirit to tell him what she wants with him. He pleads he'll do anything. And this ghost, like every other goddamn stranger he meets, looks him straight in the eyes and says, you know, I've been working on a script for this pilot I'd love you to take a look at. Mr. Producer. That's one thing when it's your cousin or your ex or your mailman, but when some wannabe reaches out from beyond the grave to hand you a goddamn pilot treatment, you say to yourself, when does this end? When does this end? So anyway, basically that's the show. I don't know. Maybe it's a teenager. He's got some kooky parents. I don't know. The rest will write itself. Um... Is your new house haunted? Of course not. That's ridiculous. Say, do you remember the name of that woman who was at Marshall Whitman's Halloween party last year? You mean the medium? Yeah. Why? No, no, no reason. <laughs> so as we wrap up, I think it's time for final thoughts. Does anyone have any final thoughts that they would like to share? I know I do. Go for it, Aaron. By all means, sir. Maybe this show is really about the ghost of adolescent horniness in the minds of the creators. <laughs> That's a good theory. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> and cut to credits. That Was a Show is created and hosted by Bryn Burney, Andrew Barry Helmer, and myself, Aaron Yeager. It's a production of Radio Gizmo in Toronto, Canada. Subscribe, rate, review, and share. Follow us on Instagram and tell your friends about it. That was a show. Radio Gizmo.